The Queen is dead, and welcome to episode 67 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, the Atlanta Falcons have played their first football game of the 2022-2023 season, and the Atlanta Braves had a fine week overall on the surface, but suffered a brutal, demoralizing, traumatizing loss on Sunday to the Seattle Mariners. But first, we will talk about the Falcons and their first game of the season. And I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not going to go into super duper uh, specific details of this game because, to be quite frank, they don't deserve it. This team has been embarrassing, humiliating, um, dumpster fire, disaster, you name it, for years now. The team, coaching, front office, ownership, you name it. So I'm not going to um, break this thing down play by play, kind of like I did last year, because they just honestly don't deserve it. And yeah, until they show me they deserve it and show me that that they're capable of being competent and, you know, actually can kind of change the way things go for this franchise, then maybe I'll start to care. But right now, in the Falcon section of my brain, the nerve endings are just completely burnt off. I feel nothing. And as a, as a result of that, I am not going to just sit here and ponder and hope and wish things went differently. I'm just going to tell you what happened. I will give a little bit of insight. And we're going to move on to the Braves, who, despite having a terrible loss, actually know what the hell they're doing. So, in typical Falcon style, they looked absolutely I'm not going to say absolutely fantastic, but they looked really good through the first three quarters of this football game. They led 23-10 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter. They tacked on a field goal with 12:41 left in the fourth quarter, and that put the score to 26-10. to 10. They then let Michael Thomas, who I'm not a fan of, uh, they let him kind of go nuts in the fourth quarter. Slant boy, as some call him. Two touchdowns to cut the lead down to two. And then an absolutely disastrous possession um, with less than a minute left. They are in Saints territory. Third and one. Um, and Mariota just drops the snap. Falls on it. Kind of um, whatever. Loses a couple yards, makes it fourth and three. And the Falcons punt, I, I don't know if that was the right decision. You had a chance to put the dagger in the heart of the Saints. Your defense has been on its heels the whole quarter. And you didn't take it. You punt to the Saints, and they go down, and they kick a 51-yard field goal to go up 27-26. to The Falcons had a little drive after <clears throat> kind of some weird stuff happened. They end up getting in sort of field goal range for a 63-yarder by Young Hui Koo, and in pretty fitting fashion, it gets blocked, and the Falcons lose at home to the Saints, 27-26, to in a game in which they led 26-10 to in the fourth quarter. With 11 minutes left, they were, or a little over 11 minutes left, they were up 26-10, to and they lost this game. They had their chances to put the Saints away. There were fumbles in the red zone. 
there were missed opportunities. Um, you know, they had Brian Edwards had a chance to put a dagger in them with a catch in the back of the end zone. He didn't make the play. Um, not a great pass for Mariota either. And like I said, the Falcons looked good through the first three quarters. The defense was getting after it. They had some turnovers. Um, Mariota looked good. Cordero Patterson had a good game. Drake London was making plays. Things were looking up. And, you know, I, I, I won't say I was surprised by this because I could you could see the bread breadcrumb trail of the blown lead coming. Um, you know, the Brian Edwards play that I mentioned, that was part of it. Uh, the Michael Thomas stuff, I mean, the only touchdowns scored in this game were, for the Saints, were from two from Michael Thomas and one from Taysom Hill, which is just like my worst nightmare. I mean, those, those two guys are just the worst. And, yeah, that, that accounted for all their touchdowns, and that's just awful. I don't like that at all. Um, but, yeah, you could just kind of tell that this was going to be a Falcons disaster class per usual, and it was. And, you know, I was watching the game with some friends, and I was like, man, the Falcons are going to do this, aren't they? And by do this, I mean they're going to blow it. And sure enough, I mean, I was right on the money, right on the money. And I'm not proud to say I'm around on the money. It doesn't make me happy. I don't find pleasure in that. But, man, I was around the money. They, God. It, um, it's just more of the same, man. More of the same every year. Something, you know, coming off the offseason that they had when they tried to trade away years and years of first-round picks, potentially even young, talented players for a serial rapist and uh, completely completely disrespecting the best player to ever play for the franchise. You know, coming off that offseason, end of the season, I can't say that I was super excited for the Falcons this year. On paper, they are projected to be one of the worst teams in the league. But, um, you know, week one at home, you're playing the Saints, who I do not like. And, you know, no matter how bad the Falcons are, no matter how bad some of us want them to just tank, and get a good draft pick. I always want us to beat the Saints. And them going about it this way to the Saints is just terrible. It's disgusting. It makes me sick to my stomach. It gives me a headache. But not because I care. Just because I'm tired. And, you know, ever since the Super Bowl, the just absolute ineptitude of this franchise is just jarring the roster construction from Thomas Dimitrov um, Terry Fontenot not getting off to the hottest start Dan Quinn Dan Quinning a lot and you know not pressing the right buttons it's just uh, same, same with Arthur Smith like today Definitely some uh, too much conservative play calling for my liking, offensively and defensively. And I'm sorry if this just sounds like a eulogy, but I mean, I just can't get up and get excited today. Like today was a bad day. Today was a very, very bad day. And I'll get into more of what made the day even worse later. But yeah, man, um, if you want to yank some positives out of this one, um, for the tankers out there, the Falcons are 0-1. They're on pace probably lose every game now I don't, I don't even know who we play next week 
Um, but I guess Cordero Patterson, he looked good. Looks like Sam Cordero Patterson as last year, who was good. Drake London made some plays. Um, I guess I can read their stats because they deserve it, I think. Um, you know, Mariota, his line is fine overall. He ran the ball pretty well, too, but he just fell apart in the fourth quarter. But Drake London led the team in receiving yards, 74 yards on five catches. Kyle Pitts was kind of a non-factor, and I don't blame Kyle Pitts for that because I think Kyle Pitts is awesome. And I just think that's kind of the fault of not incorporating him in creative ways. But Cordero Patterson had 120 rushing yards and a touchdown. That's very good. He had three catches for 16 yards. He's good. He's good at football. Grady Jarrett was making it happen in the first half on defense. I'll give him some credit. I love Grady Jarrett. He's a great guy. <clears throat> but, yeah, man. I don't really got much else on this one. It's just... It's just the same team. They're the same. Nothing has changed. I don't... I don't like it. I I hate it, actually. And, yeah, sorry if I was just so monotone and uninterested because I kind of am, and they they've, haven't given me any reason to get up and uh, care about this team and invest my feelings in it because, you know, when they lost, did it suck? Yeah, but it doesn't suck in the same way when my other teams lose in devastating fashion because if I were to genuinely deep down have feelings invested in this team and they would have lost this and the way they lost this game you know I would have had a really like just somber day just because of them but I had a somber day don't get me wrong but uh, it wasn't because of them it was because of another team um, but yeah I think that's um that's going to do it for the Falcons talk this week I'll see you guys next week for the Falcons talk um, let me just see who we play next week the <laughs> The Rams in Los Angeles. Um, I don't know if the Rams are as good as people think they're going to be this year, but they're still definitely better than the Falcons, so that should probably be a bad game to watch and just to be a part of. But, hey, I'll be there. I'll be watching. And uh, we'll see what kind of shitstorm they can cook up next week. So now we're going to move on to the Atlanta Braves, who on on the surface, on its face, they had a fine week. They went 3-2. and two, in the first five games of this West Coast trip, to included two games in Oakland against the A's and three in Seattle against the Mariners. Um, I'm going to breeze through um, relative, relatively quickly the first four games of the week. Um, they won three of them, and they lost one. They win game one um, on Tuesday in Oakland, a 10-9 to game. Um, this was a wild, wild game, actually. Kyle Wright was awful in this game, but the Braves' offense was awesome. Um, but yeah, Kyle Wright was just absolutely just—he was just not himself. He did not have it whatsoever. Um, trying to find his line real quick. He went four innings pitched, eight earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts, and two homers. By far, his worst start of the season. He was bad. Dylan Lee gave up some of his runs that were inherited to him on a three-run homer that tied the game. Um, and this had the makings of a disaster all over it. That tied the game at nine in the fifth inning. It was nine to nine after five innings. Um, after the Braves were up six to one, then they go up nine to five. Yeah, they go up nine to five, and then they give it back. And then top of the six, Austin really hits a sack fly, make it ten to nine, and nobody on planet Earth 
thought that that was going to be enough to win the game, but that was it. That was the last run scored in the game. Um, the bullpen was great. Uh, Mentor, Iglesias, Jesse Chavez, even Kenley Jansen, who I will talk a lot about later, looked good. They shut it down. Braves win 10-9 to in game one. Move on to game two. The Braves went in pretty breezy fashion, 7-3. They went down 2-0 early, but Von Grissom kind of uh, kind of broke, I won't say broke it open, but he let the pressure out of the valve, I guess is what you say. I don't know. Is that a saying? I don't know. People say that. Let the pressure out of the valve. I don't know. But um, he had a two-run homer to tie the game, and the Braves offense just kind of got cooking from there. They scored five more runs. They won 7-3. Uh, Spencer Strider had a rough first inning. Looks like looked like he might not make it out of the first which is kind of weird because he literally struck out 16 guys before. But after that first thing where he gave up two runs, he was filthy for five. and went six innings pitch, 200 runs. So he was good. And, yeah, Braves sweep the A's because they should have. The A's are horrible and the Braves are good. So we'll move on to Seattle. And this was, and this was a good series, um, especially if you're a fan, a neutral fan, you're a third party um, viewer of this one. Definitely a good series. Game one was a really good game. Braves win it 6-4. to four. Um, Dansby hit a homer in this one. Money Mike hit a homer. I'll talk more about Michael later. He is unreal. Um, the gross man homered. He homered. He had another big homer in this series. Travis no homered. I think the Braves score other runs off of homers. Oh, no. The gross man had um, an RBI single, too. Uh, but Charlie Morton was pitching in this game for the Braves, and Morton was not good in this game, and he just continues to kind of just be mid. He's had good starts, but then he just kind of gives it all right back for season stats by just putting up a, a, putting up a complete stinker. And he did that in this game. He he honestly shouldn't have. They tried to start him out for the seventh inning, and he like immediately gave up another home run to Carlos Santana, um, second home run of the game for him. Um, he ended up giving four under, giving up four earned runs on the hole and three homers. Um, he's just, he's kind of been like snake bitten by the homer this year. The guys are just kind of cranking him off of him. And yeah, but uh, Morton wasn't good. They tried to start him for the seventh. It didn't work. They ended up bringing in Mentor, who kind of was in a jam, but got out of it with a pretty nasty changeup. Rysel Iglesias kind of did the same thing in the next inning. Well, he struck out the side, actually, ended up giving up a walk, but had a na- nasty changeup to Carlos Santana, who had just been destroying the Braves all game. And he got him to punch out. And then the ninth, Kenley Jansen, back-to-back clean outings after he had just uh, been awful. Um, but he had a 1-2-3 inning again, two strikeouts. So back-to-back clean innings with four strikeouts for Kenley. Looked like he was back on track. This little teaser for what's to come later. Um, but yeah, the Braves won 6-4. to four. A good game. A good baseball game. I enjoyed watching it start to finish. Definitely a little bit of drama with the homers. You never knew who was going to pop one. Um, Morton wasn't good. Kind of pissing me off. But the Braves win. So all's well that ends well, I guess, Charlie. Uh, move on to game two. This this um, was the clunker of the series. This was not a very exciting game. The Braves lost this one 3-1. to one. Uh the offense was terrible in this game. The only run they scored was on a ground out. Um, Max Freed gave up a couple of homers. He wasn't his best self, but do you think he still went six innings pitch, two earned runs? Yeah, six innings pitch, two earned runs. Both of the runs were off solo homers. He struck out six, didn't walk anybody. He was good. I mean, that's a good start. Like, you know, if you told me Max Freed was going to go six innings pitch, two earned runs in this game, I would say the Braves have a solid chance to win. 
and they didn't. Uh, the one run the Braves scored in this game was unearned. George Kirby, who I think is a, kind of an underrated pitcher um, in baseball, he was pretty filthy in this game and shut down the Braves. He is uh, below a three ERA on the season now, and uh, the Mariners are good. I'll say that they. I knew this coming in the series. Obviously, I like the Mariners. Um, they're a good baseball team, and I'm excited to watch them in the playoffs because they are. They got a lot of fun players, and they got good pitching too. So, uh, yeah, we'll move on to Game Three now, which was the absolute gut wrenching loss that I mentioned earlier in the game, or not in the game in the episode. So, I'm gonna kind of uh, fast forward in this one. But first, I have to mention, I almost forgot to say this, but the Braves actually overtook first place from the Mets on Friday night. I can't believe I almost forgot to say that. I should, probably should have wrote that down. But um, the Braves were in first place all by themselves on uh, on Friday night after they won. That is definitely worth mentioning. Um, but, uh, yeah, that didn't last for long. They were up by only a half a game. Um, the Mets won Saturday night, and the Braves lost, so that put the Mets back up half a game. And uh, things currently stand at one and a half games behind the Mets because they won today on Sunday and the Braves lost. So that being said, we'll get into game three now, which this is the toughie. This is the this is the bad one. Okay. Um, I'll preface this by saying I think this is the – I'm not going to say the worst loss of the year because I don't think losing to like a team like the Mariners is bad. And the way they came back in this game was definitely a good thing. I'm not going to say this is the worst loss of the season, but I'm going to say this is the most devastating, brutal, um, saddening, any word you can think of that's like doesn't mean good or happy or exciting. Or I guess I it was exciting. I take that back. But anything that's not um, that makes you happy, this game was the opposite of the way it finished. Um, kind of going to fast forward to late in the game. The Braves get one run in the eighth inning to make the score six to two. That that run was courtesy of Michael Harris, who hit an absolute bomb and um, <clears throat> gave the Braves their second run of the game. And we head into the ninth inning with the Braves down six to two. So I'm gonna go play by play here because I think it's it is definitely um, necessary to just kind of build the monotony of what what happened here. We gotta unpack this um, layer by layer, piece by piece, and it's gonna hurt because I really I've been trying to steer clear of all the stuff from this game because man, this this game sucked at the end. So top of the ninth, Diego Castillo pitching for the Mariners trying to shut things down for him. Walks Austin Riley, walks Matt Olson, back to back. So set first and second, nobody out. Bill Contreras grounds out to first, um, advances the runners to second and third. And then Vaughn Grissom strikes out swinging. So now the Braves are down to their final out in the ninth. Uh, they get to Michael Harris, who gets to a 3-2 count. And down to their last strike, Michael Harris absolutely unleashes a monster homer off of the, I don't even know if it was like the facade of the deck in Seattle. It might have even been like the... um the luxury boxes he he absolutely crushed this ball it was like a hanging slider a little bit inside on him but he got around on it like really good obviously and just absolutely demolished it and yeah that made it a six to five game um still the Braves are 
pretty big underdogs at this point, down a run in the ninth inning. Um, but they bring in my guy Eddie Rosario to hit for Ozuna. Um, I'm fine with that move, by the way. That's kind of like a technical decision there. I th- I'm fine with that. They brought in Paul Seawald to pitch after um, Castillo gave up the homer. They bring in Eddie for Ozuna. Ozuna kind of has been hitting lately, um, which I should note. He's been playing a lot too, and he's kind of been hitting. But they bring in Eddie, and Eddie rifles a single into right. And all of a sudden, the Braves bring the go-ahead run at the, to the plate. It's the gross man, and you're thinking to yourself, man, that'd be awesome if Robbie could just park one here. Um, but, you know, you're in back of your mind, you're thinking, man, that's that's not going to happen, you know. Probably probably going to be the last out. Um, valiant effort, guys. Way to make it interesting. Uh, but no, Robbie absolutely mashes one also uh, to make it 7-6. to six, And things are shaping up to be awesome. Um, full disclosure, I was not super plugged into the Braves game today until the end. Um, but like I was, I was putting it on my phone every once in a while to watch it. I was watching a lot of NFL um, but you know, when the ninth inning started, when there's no outs, I, I put it on just to see if they could get something going uh, with the clean inning and the middle of the lineup coming up, uh, just to see if they could have a little comeback. And pff, they did, they had more than a little comeback. It was a massive five run ninth inning. Um, and they almost got into some more Acuna got hit by a pitch, which it looked like might have been intentional from Paul Seawald, which if that's the case, then I hate Paul Seawald because, like, what are you doing, dude? If you're hitting Acuna on purpose after you just got rocked, that's just such a loser move, like a, like a, a like, just, like, God, like an awful move, and I hate that. And, uh, like, it, it, I don't know if it was intentional, but the catcher sat up, set up, like, outside corner, and Seawall just like nails Ronald right in the right in the uh, elbow with a fastball. Acuna stared him down like he thought it was intentional. And the umpires even met up in the middle of the field um, to uh, kind of talk about it and see if they wanted to take some action. Um, they didn't take any action. Uh, but um, yeah, Acuna hit by pitch. He's up stealing second with Dansby up and thinking, hey, if Dansby gets a single here, it's going to be a two-run lead. He doesn't. He grounds out, and the inning's over. But the Braves are up seven to six. You're feeling good. Kenley Jansen's coming in. Kenley's looked good his last two outings, two clean innings. Um, but uh, yeah, things did not go well at all. So, inning started out pretty good. Sam Haggerty tried to bunt his way on, which is a decision to be sure. But um, he bunted and grounded out uh, to Austin Riley and threw him out at first. So one out on two pitches. Then, Julio Rodriguez, who is awesome, he's probably the AL Rookie of the Year, comes up, and he absolutely crushes a hanging slider from Kinley to tie the game. Um, This was an awful, awful pitch by Kinley, by the way. He left the center cut, 83-mile-an-hour slider, right in the middle of the zone. I don't think you could put the ball on a tee better for Julio there. It was the hardest-hit ball of his career. He hit that ball 117 miles an hour. It was, I think it was the hardest ball ever hit off of Kinley Jansen. It was absolutely mashed and tied the game, which which sucked. But at the mo- in the moment, you're still like, hey, the game's tied. You know, um, still got extras and win this game. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, hey, we still have our bullpen fresh and ready to go because the Braves kind of 
punted, or not, I won't say they punted, they were down a lot. They were down 6-1 to one in this game, so none of the high leverage relievers have been used. Um, so you're thinking, yeah, we got our guys ready to go in the extras. We have a chance here. He gets, Kenley then gets Ty France to pop out to third base. And that's two outs now. And one man to get is Ah Eugenio Suarez, who uh, I've talked about how Carlos Santana had two homers in game one. Julio's homer to tie the game was his second of the game. And then Suarez takes Kenley deep for his second homer of the game. So the Mariners were just hitting them, like just were going crazy with two homer games in this series. Um, but Suarez takes Kenley deep on a sinker. Wasn't a terrible pitch. I mean, it, had, it caught probably a little bit too much of the plate, obviously. He hit for a homer, but not nearly as bad of a pitch as the uh, one to Julio was. But, man, um, a walk-off homer for the Mariners. Um, Heredia almost robbed it. I kind of, I, when I was watching it live, I thought he robbed it to force extras, but he it was just out of his reach, man. I think it might have even ticked off his glove. He came really close to robbing it. It would have been a crazy good play. But that was the game. Um, probably the game of the year in MLB this year, I would say. Um, you know, from a third-party standpoint, I would have loved watching this game. As a Braves fan, I hated the ending of this game. Um, but, you know, it uh, it, it was really bad. Um, people calling for Kenley Jansen's neck. Brian Snitker making absolutely ridiculous and out-of-touch, stupid comments about how Kinley leads the league in saves. You know, someone just asked him some question, like, I don't know what the exact question was, the wording of it, but he was like, have you given any thought to doing anything else with the closer role because Kinley's struggling so much lately? And he goes, oh, no, Kinley's, like, he looked he looked good in his last two games. He's been good, which Kinley hasn't been good. He's had, he's, he had two good games in a row, yeah, but that was against the A's, who were awful, and when he did get the save on Friday against the Mariners, it was the bottom of their lineup. So it's not like Kenley's just been taking souls out there these last couple of appearances. He's been good, but, you know, it's not like he's going against really any kind of great hitting. Um, but saying that bringing up the leads league in saves is just so silly and just shouldn't be a thing. And I just can't, I really can't believe he said that. To be honest with you, I think he was just kind of stayed out of frustration because when Snicker gets asked questions that he doesn't like, he gets a little, he gets a little sassy on you. I'm not gonna lie. He, people ask him about his bullpen management, he gets sassy on you. He he gets a little bit of a tone. It's a bit condescending, and he was like, he leaves what he can save. He's been great the past few times. And yada yada yada. He um, he also is second in the league in blown saves. Um, so if you're going to use the save, save statistic, it goes both ways, Snit, but you're not going to bring that up, are you? And I understand him not throwing Kinley under the bus. I get it. I don't think you should. But you can answer that question way better than you did. When I saw that come across my timeline that he said that, I was like, whew, that's bad. That's bad. That does not make a lot of people happy either. Um, speaking of press conferences, though, this is kind of um, – I don't I won't say this is positive, but I want to give some props to Kinley. I know it's been a Kinley shit fest tonight, and everybody's been hating on him, and for good reason, because he's been bad, and he blew what could have been the win of the year tonight, honestly, if the Braves won this game, it would have been the best win all season. Um, But he, he is, in this whole entire bad stretch, he's spoken to the media after every outing, 
um, especially his bad ones. He did it after the St. Louis game where he just completely imploded. He did it after this game. And he goes there and he takes it. He answers all the questions, and I respect that. And I, I still like Kenley Jansen. I think he's a great guy, and I still think he's a, could be a very valuable piece in this bullpen. And when he is right, he is one of the best relievers on the team. He's obviously not right at the moment, um, but, man, I really respect that uh, he can go up and face the media after. He uh, has just a brutal game like this, and um, I respect it. So just wanted to say that real quick. But, yeah, um, back to the whole discussion of um, what to do with the closer role and Snit saying it's, it's not going to change. Kenley's going to be the closer if you couldn't tell from what Snit said of how he leads the league in saves and has been good lately. Um, the lead, everybody's, I mean, the one last thing about leading the league in saves thing, that's just like saves is not a good stat to go by for evaluating closers at all. Um, Kenley, you, if you think Kenley Jansen is the best reliever in the National League because he leads the league in saves, you are dead wrong. Kenley Jansen has been bad lately. He, I think he could admit that. I think Snit deep down knows that, but he's just not going to make a move. I'm sure a comment like that makes Alex Anthopoulos and the analytics guys in the front office head spin around. Um, but, um, yeah, that's all I got on that. I just hated that comment so much. I thought that was bad on bad snit, just bad, out of touch, concerning, all those things. I thought that was bad. Um, but what to do with the closer role? Nothing's going to change, but what I would do, and this is what I said, I said this when the Braves signed Kenley Jansen. Um, I say, whoever are your best relievers, you give them the most high leverage and biggest outs of the game. A lot of the times, that does end up being the ninth inning where you need to save. Like t- today, it was easy, easy, easy. Oh my God. Easily, <laughs> I could not say that. Easily, the three biggest outs of the game were the ones that were needed to get in the bottom of the ninth, obviously. And, you know, that's the closer role. But there are times in games, not every game, the ninth inning is the high, not the most high leverage situation. You know, if they're, for example, if in the eighth inning, it's the heart of the lineup due up in like a tie game, you use your best reliever then and there. In the ninth inning, it's obviously going to be the bottom of the lineup now because the middle of the lineup just hit, the heart of the lineup, they're best hitters. Um, so you probably want to use your best reliever in that situation. But for a lot of teams, they've designated their best reliever as their closer. For the Braves, it's not the case because Kenley is not the best reliever on the team and he's the closer, which kind of inadvertently, like, I know it's funny the like how it kind of flips it on its head what Snit's trying to do and he kind of inadvertently does this to where he uses his best reliever when the high leverage situations are the seventh and the eighth because he thinks Kenley's the best reliever on the team and he's the closer. But so that that kind of gives the Braves an advantage inadvertently, which is kind of sad that Snit does it he's accidentally doing a good thing, but he doesn't know it. Um But yeah, what I would do is I would keep it to my philosophy of giving your best relievers the highest leverage moments, even if they're not the bottom of the ninth. And that's kind of my answer to the closer role. That would mean at times I would want a Glacius or mentor in closing games when the, the biggest outs are in that ninth inning or Kenley pitching the ninth inning sometimes too, when it's kind of not it's still like a safe situation, a close game, but not super high leverage. And you needed to use mentor and a Glacius in the seventh and eighth for those high leverage moments that were presumed to be more um, important than the ninth inning. That's my answer to that. Um, But at the end of the day, Kenley's going to be the closer until I don't, 
I don't know how bad he would have to be to get just kicked out of that role. Um, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but yeah, he's been bad. And this game reminded me so much of last year's game against the Giants. Um, it was when the Braves, it was game one in San Francisco. Um, last year's Giants obviously were an incredible team. They won like 107 games and the Braves go in, they're down in the top of the ninth by two runs and Travis Darno hits a three run homer against the best team in the league Giants to put the Braves up by a run. And it's like, oh, it's, it's looking like this is going to be the biggest win of the year, the best game of the year, like the come from behind win you're going to think about from years to come. Um, but then Will Smith, who Kenley Jensen and Will Smith are kind of having similar seasons from 2021 Will Smith from 2022 Kenley are very similar. Um, but Will Smith comes in, two outs, two strikes, goes up a game-tying homer to Donovan Solano, Donnie Barrels? I think, yeah, it was Donovan Solano. Um, and then the Braves lose the next innings. Th- that game and this game are, like, the same um, to me. Like, the way I feel after, I feel awful. Um, that, that was the worst loss of the season last year for me, and I think this is the worst loss of the season for me um, this year. Either this one or that game against the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball where Kenley was pitching, and he literally, the Braves were up two runs with two outs and two strikes, and they lost. Do you know how hard that is to lose? I'm not going to get deep into that Dodgers game, but that game sucked. But, um, yeah, it's either that game or that Dodgers game where there are the two worst losses of the year. And, yeah, this game was awful, man. The ending, it's um, it's funny because I just didn't think the Braves were going to be, like, a big part of my afternoon. Like, I saw they were, I was kind of intermediately checking in here and there. Saw that they cut to six to two with Michael Harris, who I'm about to talk about in a second. Um, but uh, then, like I just turned it on just to see if they can come back, and all of a sudden the Braves are like the biggest thing that's happening to me this this afternoon, um, in the middle of the first Sunday of NFL, which is pretty wild. But they, yeah, they made their so they made themselves part of my Sunday for sure, more than they were gonna be. Um, and with that being said, like the Braves, we're not supposed to win this game, you know, being down six to one. Like, if the Braves would have lost the game 6-1 not put up a fight, I would have came on here and kind of been all ho-hum. Oh, the Braves lost 2-3, the Mariners are good. Um, whatever, move on to the next one. But, man, they they came back, and then they 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 ripped my heart out on this one. This was a terrible loss. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of just, um, I'm kinda just uh, going on a wild tangent at this point, just talking, just to hear myself talk, I guess. But uh, to wrap up the show, I just want to, Kind of wax poetic about one guy, and I'm about. I'm, I think I have a hot take about this guy, and that guy is Money Mike Harris. He, in my opinion, and this is my hot take, by the way, I think Michael Harris has been the best player on the Braves this year. He has been our best player. Um, people will probably disagree. Bring up, you know, Austin Riley, Dansby, Freed. Um, Maybe even Kyle Wright. Not anymore, though, after that start. But Michael Harris is approaching five war, and he has played just 93 games this season. He is now up to 18 homers. He is has a he has a 909 OPS. He's 21 years old, by the way. 21 years old. 909 OPS, approaching five war in less than 100 games. He's swiped 16 bases. He is 
a gold glove candidate in center field. He might be the best defensive center field in baseball, and he has a 909 OPS. He has almost five war in 93 games. He's 21 years old. I will say this. The one person, and this is me knocking on wood, God forbid, the last thing, the, the worst thing that could happen to the Braves this year is Michael Harris getting hurt. There is no substitute for him. He is the most valuable player on this team. You know, People are going to f- probably disagree with this by saying he hasn't played enough, and that's not his fault because he got called up later. But easily since he's joined the team, he's been the best player. And I just think on the the year as a whole, he is the most important player to the team. He is the best player on the team right now. And that's just a crazy thing to say. If uh, if I would hear myself talking back in April when the season started, I'd probably be like, what, what are you saying? Like, this can't be real. Um, he is absolutely unbelievable. Um, I think he's easily the National League Rookie of the Year, even though, like, the betting market still thinks it's Spencer Strider, who is great. I love Spencer Strider, but Michael Harris has probably maybe been the best rookie in baseball this year. You know, the only guy that kind of gives him a run for his money is Strider or the guy that kind of broke our hearts today, Julio Rodriguez. And I think, you know, he hasn't played as many games as Julio, but like average-wise, his averages, his OPS, you know, he's better defender than Julio. I think he's better than Julio Rodriguez. And I love Julio Rodriguez, by the way. He's one of my favorite non-Braves. Oh, my God. That was an awful voice crack. He's one of my favorite non-Braves, for sure, one of my favorite players in the league. And I think Michael's better than him. And um, he's one of the biggest prospects in baseball. Michael just wasn't that committed this season. But, yeah, there's my um, Michael Harris hot take, Michael Harris tangent. He had two homers today, his first career two-homer game. He's up to 18 homers on the year, 311 batting average, 909 OPS, all that stuff. He is phenomenal. And... I don't know what the Braves would do without him. I don't know where they would be without him. He has been just wildly important to this team. Uh, so, yeah, had to get that off my chest um, because he was just, he's been so good lately and he was so good in this series. So, had to say that. And uh, I think that's all I got for this episode, all I got on the Braves. Uh, the Braves, they're a game and a half back from the Mets. Today's loss sucked, but the Braves, the things that the Braves are trying to do, which is win the division, are still very, very possible. Um, they go to San Francisco next, play three games to wrap up this West Coast trip. Hopefully those go well. But the Braves are still in a, in a, they're in a good spot. You know, they could be in a better spot, obviously, but they can still definitely win this division and they can accomplish the things they're trying to accomplish, no doubt about it. So don't freak out too much. I had to tell myself that a couple of times today, not freak out too much. But, uh, yeah, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Trust me. Okay. All right, that'll do it for this episode. If you made it this far listening, I really, really appreciate it, and I will see you in the next one.